Well, welcome to the Pumping Irony Podcast. This is a podcast where three friends, all living in Columbia, Maryland, get together and talk about things we like and dislike. This is episode 21. Our podcast is old enough to drink. Yay! Yay. Wow. Um, I'm Tim. I'm Russ. And I'm Andrew. <laughs> yeah. And so... Uh, I feel like we should have alcohol or something <laughs> yeah. as we're talking. We'll have, a, we'll have a toast later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, real quick, a little quick news and notes. Um, if you haven't heard, this is kind of old news now, but um, Colin Trevorrow is out as director oh, yeah. of uh, the uh, episode yeah. nine. I can't keep track of J.J. Yeah. Abrams <laughs> is back in, which is, you know, he, he said that he wasn't going to do another one. He said, I did my Star Wars movie. Right, but... But I guess Kathleen Kennedy and the you know hey, sometimes if you got a truckload of money, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I would do it if they gave me a truckload yeah, of money. Yeah, I would like you know I'd even go for like a sedan worth of money. Right, to <laughs> Star Wars movie. I would do like a smart car full of money. Yeah, you can put a lot of money in a smart car. Yeah. Um, they're quite roomy in Titan. <laughs> never been in one. Um, but this reminded me because, uh, Russ, you mentioned something on Facebook about watching, you're stuck in a hotel watching The, the Lost World. Oh, um, yeah. And um, he was the director of that. And Jurassic, Jurassic, Jurassic World. World. Jurassic World, yeah. Jurassic, World. Jurassic Park, The Lost yeah. World. Well, no, Spielberg no. did Lost World. Oh, wait. Right. Jurassic That's World. That's the second one. Yeah, you're right. It's confusing. <laughs> they have two worlds in this. Yeah. No, no. Spielberg did parks, but Trevorrow directed a whole world. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> right. Which is a pretty small world, if you think about it. It's an island. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but I guess so. So he directed that, and it made a whole lot of money. I think it. that's yeah. why they gave him episode nine. Right. But then he made the Book of Henry, which got, like, panned by everybody, I yeah. think. And then they went back and watched Jurassic World and said, no, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they saw the, 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 the money that it made, in there, and then yeah. Yeah, got it. So he's out, um, and J.J. Abrams back in. Um, also, if you haven't seen, Ron Howard has been tweeting a lot of pictures and stuff like that yeah. from behind the scenes of the hashtag unfinished, un, what is it called, un, unnamed Han Solo, untitled, untitled Han yeah. Solo movie, so it still has yeah. untitled, but it's, it looks fun. I've seen pictures of, um, of uh, what's his name as, as Han Solo, um, he's got a, uh, the actor. Aaron, Aaron, uh, yeah, we're gonna Aaron Rick or yeah. something like that. <laughs> yeah, we should we should be able to pronounce his name. He's gonna be a big star. Yeah. But uh, pictures of him as Han Solo, he looks he looks really good. I'm like, because I, I, when I first saw him, like I'm thinking of um um the, the movie that the Coen Brothers movie that he did. Yeah, um, we can pronounce his name as well as he can pronounce with the detour. Yeah, so with the detour. Yeah. Um, so uh, so I was picturing him like in a cowboy outfit saying this is gonna be Han Solo, but then when you see him in the Han Solo gear, he looks good. He looks good. He looks good. So I'm excited about that. Like and Alden Aaron Rick. Yeah. Aaron Rick. We'll get it. We'll fix that in post. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We've now brought our two month old Star Wars name. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. Like I said, an official name of our podcast. It's been a while. Um, we did. Uh, Andrew and I did attempt to record a podcast last Saturday. We but got it was four minutes in. Almost. Four minutes in, and then we we ditched it because we got overtaken by events. So, but we're back here, and um, and we're back together, and we're and we haven't seen each other in a while because some of us have been out of the state, and other of us. Have, have been involved in murder trials and things like that. So, um, but we'll let back. you guess who's who. Right. Yeah. Um, Are been, they related? I've been here. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> One of us had to flee the state because yeah. <laughs> of a murder. Um, but we're back and we're gonna have some fun. So um, we go around and talk about things we like, and then we take a short break, and then we talk about things we dislike. Um, this time we're starting off with Andrew. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess we didn't actually get to the part. Yeah, yeah, never mind. Um, cool. We can get to whatever you want to get to. Yeah. Here. Um. So, uh, I want to talk about a movie that I saw a couple weeks ago that I like and no one else likes. <laughs> um, yes, I have some notes on that. Yeah. Uh, the movie's called Mother! Because it's got an exclamation point at the end. And um, no capitalization. It, yeah, it's all lowercase, so I hope you could hear that in my voice. <laughs> um... Uh, it's directed by Dan Aronofsky, and it stars, uh, Jennifer Lawrence... Um, and Javier Bardem, and Ed Harris, uh, Ed Harris Michelle Pfeiffer, um, and basically, to talk about this movie, I need to spoil the whole like movie, so spoil away. if for whatever reason you have, you are planning to see Mother, and you haven't, I don't think there's a person in the world in that boat, um, <laughs> right, <laughs> so, but in case you are that one person, uh, go watch the movie, and then pause this, this podcast, go see the movie, then come back um, for our pithy yeah. comments, yeah, 
I really enjoyed it. I totally get why all the people <laughs> that hate it hate it. Um, so yeah, but I think I do think it's also a really interesting movie to talk about mm-hmm. um, because it's not just it's it's very crazy. Um, so just to talk about a little bit about what this movie kind of is, um, like on the surface, at least it looks like a movie where uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem are, you know, married, which is already a little bit creepy. Because um, he's cause way older. Yeah, yeah, way older. Um, which actually ends up working for in the movie, in mm-hmm. the context of the movie, that actually works. Um, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, uh, so they, they live in this house, kind of in the middle of nowhere. He is a uh, writer. writer who is kind of suffering for, from writer's block at the moment. She is trying to rebuild this house that had burned down. Um, and she's like putting you know everything she has into this house. Um, she seems pretty content with her lives. He seems like, you know, sort of like the, the struggling artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ed Harris shows up, then Michelle Pfeiffer shows up, and then other people show up, and just, it gets crazier and crazier <laughs> and crazier as this movie goes along. Um, to the point, like, I can't imagine anyone who sat in the theater watching this with no not, no foreknowledge of this movie would have any way of predicting where this movie goes, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the gripes against it for a lot of people, because it just goes to some crazy places. Um, the best way that I have found to describe this movie to people right now um, is that it is a uh, fever dream fairy tale. Um, okay. Like, it is... Once once the movie uh, gets going and you get deep into it, you realize that this is in no way really set in reality, mm-hmm. um, even though it starts off pretty normal, um, and it's just kind of, uh, the movie is, uh, very heavy on allegory. It's basically, um, uh, spoil it. It's... yeah, it's, it's basically, uh, the Bible story plus global warming <laughs> plus, uh, it seems to be commentary on Darren Aronofsky, the director's own relationships. Yeah. Um, all mixed in, and the metaphors don't kind of mix a bit too much at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't like it. They definitely don't all work all the way. Yeah. Um, but it's a fascinating movie. Um, basically, what ends up happening is Ed Harris um, and Michelle Pfeiffer are uh, Adam and Eve surrogates. Mm-hmm. Um, they they come in as these people who you know it it was. Just oh, by the way, no one in this movie has a name. Right. Um, <laughs> Jennifer like, Lawrence is just she's a woman. Woman and um, Javier Bardem is him. Yeah, yeah. Javier uh, Javier Bardem is the uh, like the god allegory. He is just known to in the uh, referred to in the ti- in the credits as him. Um, capital H him. Yeah, yeah. With capital H. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence is playing um, just woman. She's basically standing in for the Earth. Right. Um, uh, Ed Harrison, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer standing in for Adam and Eve. Uh, they have kids who come and fight over an inheritance, and the older one kills the younger one because the inheritance has, given, has been given away. Like, I mean, it, it, it's not subtle about <laughs> about the metaphor at all. Um, but what I think, like, part of uh, not even just the story, I love the way the camera works in this movie, and I think mm. it's incredibly effective. Um, I think he said that 99% of the shots in this movie are one of three shots. Um, it's either, uh, you are looking, uh, over Jennifer Lawrence's shoulder, you are in a close-up of Jennifer Lawrence's face, or you are, uh, seeing the world from Jennifer Lawrence's point of view, um, which makes for a really, uh, it just feels so tight. Mm-hmm. Um, claustrophobic and, almost? Yeah, almost claustrophobic. Um, and one of my favorite things in movies um, is really long takes. Because mm-hmm. I, I like, you know, the, right. it, it, it makes it feel like you are like in the moment a little bit more because you're not cutting from back and forth. It feels like everything's in real time because it is. Um, and I th- it just makes for a really good effect. Um, plus, it, it's interesting what I think it, it has to do for the actors and the actual like direction of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie feels like that for almost the entire movie without actually doing very many long takes. Okay. Um, because you are following, like you are just following her in this movie, and you only have the information that she has. Okay. Um, and it's not rare for a movie to follow just one person, but I've never really seen it done like this close and this well because. Mm-hmm. 
the movie on purpose will take her out of a room in the middle of a conversation. She has to go do something else. Speaking of being taken out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> we will maybe fix that in post. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, it, uh, the movie is intentional about taking her out of rooms, and, and the character is missing information mm-hmm. from time to time, um, which means, as the audience, you're also uh-huh. missing that information. Um, usually what would happen in a movie is two people are having a conversation, you know, they say, oh, let's go in the room and have a drink or whatever, and then it cuts to them with drinks. Right. Um, but what will happen is, you know, they'll talk for 30 seconds, then Jennifer Lawrence will go into the kitchen and start doing, you know, preparing drinks for people, and then come in, and something in that room has changed a little mm-hmm. bit, she's maybe about. even just slightly, just like the dynamic is a little bit different, or something, something has happened uh-huh. that's even small, and as the honest, you don't know what it is, so it's really off-putting. Um, it's really, really effective filmmaking, I think. Um, and I think that's really my favorite part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie just gets crazier and crazier as it go, goes along and, uh, is less and less based in reality. Um, after the, you know, the murder between Cain and Abel and, you know, the dude flees, uh, it, like, in this house, like, it's just all happened, like, so fast and... Like, these events just sort of, like, pile on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And you can see, you know, Jennifer Lawrence, like, slowly just, like, losing her grip on the situation. Um, like, the movie just goes bonkers <laughs> after the murder. <laughs> um, to where, like, uh, all of a sudden, like, it seems like things are going to be good, maybe get back to normal. And Ed Harrison and Michelle Pfeiffer come back with a bunch of friends that night after the murder, having a wake in their house. And they just bring, you know, 50 people, and then people start, like, painting her walls as a way of saying thank you, (laughs) and just, like, sort of invading their privacy, um, and breaking stuff at their house, and you're like, this is getting kind of bonkers, and Uh the movie goes even crazier, (laughs) and there's, uh, you know, Javier Bidem finally, like, has the... Like, these people give him the inspiration to create more work, Mm -hmm. and people start to love him and want to come to the house... Um, and they just overrun this house, um, and, like, people start breaking stuff, and a, and a literal war is breaking out in this house, <laughs> and people are getting shot, and the police are there, and there's, like, like, their house goes, like, to the middle of a war zone, like, in the, in the course of this movie that make, that seems like it takes place over basically two days, mm-hmm. um, and, and the reason it seems like that is because the camera work is, I think, is so effective, mm-hmm. um, uh, it's it like I said, it's not it's not subtle about its metaphors, um, but I think it's also really interesting that uh, the movie seems to start with a lady who looks a lot like Rachel Weisz, um, who is Darren Aronofsky's ex-wife, right. um, like burning in this fire. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jennifer Lawrence, who is his current girlfriend, right. is the star of this movie, <laughs> um, and it is about their broken relationship and basically his need. Um, to create is getting in the way of his relationship and his his need for love from other people that aren't her um, is like getting in the way of their information. And in the end of this movie, like she burns down their house, killing like everyone inside except for him who is unharmed because he is God. Uh-huh. Um, he is the creator. Um, and uh, she bas- like basically says like I have nothing left to give you, and he's like, No, you still have a little bit left and he take he like takes her heart and she like that's her last little bit of anything she was holding back and she dies um and then from the ashes of this house mimicking the the first shots of this movie uh everything's rebuilt um mm. and there is a new girl there mm. like just sort of like forecasting the doom of their relationship <laughs> like which is a crazy thing to cast your girlfriend right, right? <laughs> Like, but were they girlfriend before the movie started? Before they filmed, or do they? I'm not sure. Because I, um, I mean, I have I've heard of them being being around all the <clears> film festivals, you <throat> know, mm-hmm. as a couple. But I don't know if that was post movie or is that like I don't know movie. I feel like if it was post movie, then she should have seen the writing on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know if that's better or worse right. for her. Right. She's like, oh man, I just love this guy that talked about how he. he kills all of his relationship with his, like, incessant need to create things and find love from other people. Yeah. That's hot. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah. So, you loved it, but... I loved it. Everyone um, hates this movie. So, it got got saddled with an F from CinemaScore, which I think 
He's um, very rare. Rates the fans or whatever. The uh-huh. fans give it a rating. So it gave it got an F. Um, and I guess critics were like split on it. You know, yeah. some hated it. Some only it. two people left in the middle of my showing, which is fairly good from what I'm hearing about uh-huh. this movie. Uh, but just a real quick, Entertainment Weekly had this thing about you know other other A list movies that got F by Cinema okay. Score, and yeah, um, so Solaris was one. Yeah. That's George Clooney. Um, that made about fifteen million dollars. Final box office, The Box, which I've never even heard of, it was two thousand eight. Oh, the guy that did Don, was the guy that did Die Dark did The Box. Yeah, wasn't that but, a movie where like they hit the button and someone might die? Like you, you get a million dollars, but someone dies. Yeah, maybe. Oh yeah. Um, exactly. It says it turns into the murkiest Twilight Zone <laughs> episode, but yeah, it made about fifteen point one million, and then Killing movie? Them Softly. That was two thousand twelve. That those those are all really good movies that people just hated. And Entertainment Weekly didn't like it either. They say skip it, you know, as far as the mm-hmm. movie. Like, don't, don't see this movie. So, yeah. So, so you're comparing it to a bunch of great movies. <laughs> or what they call a great movie. Well, yeah. Um, but there you go. So so you you loved it, but... I love it. I was, only like, I know. probably in my top five movies of this year right now. <laughs> like, so, I think it's incredibly fascinating. <laughs> so I wasn't, I wasn't planning to see it at all from just the relevant... You know, magazine yeah. review that I read. Yeah, so you guys but, both read that relevant oh, thing. Right. So you we know, totally spoiled everything. Yeah, else, so you already knew all yeah. of the stuff right, that right, I was yeah. talking yeah. about. Yeah, so I was just like, uh, I don't know if this has any redeeming qualities whatsoever. But hearing you talk about it and hearing it as an autobiographical thing for Aronofsky, yeah. it's like, ah, now I'm interested in seeing it. I probably won't take my wife to it. <laughs> but yeah, you've had some misses there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I don't think it's a movie that needs to be seen in a theater either. Right, like, yeah, it, I'll, I'll wait not, till it comes like, out. Yeah. yeah, I think... Is yeah. it one of those movies also <laughs> you only need to see once, like one of those visceral movies that, you know, was really good, but oh, you're yeah, like, yeah. I don't need to see that again. I, I, I don't feel the need to go see it again. <laughs> like, I would. Like, it's not like, you know, Passion of the Christ or something. It's like, I'm glad I saw that. I think I even bought that movie, but I have not seen it yeah. since, like, opening night in theaters. Right. And like, like I just don't want to. Hunger. Yeah. I, I think I would watch yeah. it again. Or clockwork Orange. You know, I would watch it again time. with friends who are interested in seeing it. I wouldn't watch it again by it, myself. To discuss exactly. It right. yeah, 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 yeah. It's a movie that I would watch to talk about. Right. But it's not a movie that I feel like I would just like. Oh man, I just want to watch that again. <laughs> um, I would say like I mean through all of these scenes like there's nothing like for the most part of this movie there's nothing like overtly scary going on mm-hmm. but I think it builds tension better than other movies that we'll maybe talk about yeah. later yeah. Um, because of the way it's shot and right. because like everyone's just acting a little bit weird I mean there's, there's a like, and you don't know what's going on because like as you said you're seeing it from the character uh, right from the right. perspective and, of like, Jennifer have, Lawrence's character who doesn't exactly, know what's everything exactly so which is why so. it's so effective yeah. there's, so there's, there's a scene where like Ed Harris is getting sick and you're like you're trying to think like oh is Javier Bardem like going to kill this guy um, he's literally like like over a toilet he has a scar like on his rib because again not subtle not right, no. <laughs> um I mean, I will say that's not a thing that I had put together at that point of the movie because, like, why would this guy be Adam? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. but it's one of those things in retro. It's like, oh, that cut was like on his rib, and Eve hadn't shown up yet, and she shows up in like the next yeah. scene. Like, <laughs> like that's cool. Um, I think it's also interesting. Uh, like, I would I would love to read interviews with Darren Aronofsky about Faith because, like, he did Noah. Like, was <laughs> Which you know, I did not like. Yeah, and, like, I don't think this guy's a Christian. No. But, like, he definitely, like, has ideas right. about this. Right. Well, like, for that um, one line from the Relevant <clears throat> article said that, you know, it's a movie about the Bible told by someone who doesn't believe in the Bible. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's an apt description of it, but you can only tell it because you've seen it, but... Well, I think it's either... does. I mean, he definitely doesn't seem to like it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is... I think it's interesting that he would make the movie and all mm-hmm. that. Because it's not like he was you know, tapped as the director for some existing movie. Right. Like, like this is his he movie. Wrote like, it, he, right. he, he wrote, wrote this movie. Right. Um, so I, I'm interested in why. Why, yeah. Um, and I'm also, like, it's crazy that this got, like, a major release. Because <laughs> this is definitely, like, an art house movie. Yeah. That got, like, a wide release on thousands of screens. And, like, 20th Century Fox, like, put out this movie. Yeah. Like, it's already surpassed all those other F Cinema Score movies. Because I think it's already made at least 16 million, so... Right. I mean, so it, it bombed, but, like, it's... Like, if this was, if it was in, you know, 200 theaters, this would be, and made the same amount of money, it would be a, you know, a huge success. Mm-hmm. Now, out of that 16 million people, I would love to know how many people demanded refunds. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Right. Yeah. 
Because, I mean, basically a lot of people are going to this movie because it looks like it's being marketed as a Jennifer Lawrence thriller. Right. Which it which is, is not, not yeah. at all. I <laughs> and mean, then, like, some of the posters <laughs> have, like, a Rosemary's Baby vibe. Yeah. Too, oh, we didn't even talk about the baby. They have a baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, the baby is sacrificed <laughs> to the people um, and then eaten like communion. Yep. Because <laughs> like, not subtle. Because not subtle. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, it is... Crazy, right? Um, and that is that's the scene where apparently just most people, people get, leave. Yeah. yeah, where people leave when they they start to eat the flesh of this baby. Yep. Um, which that's fair. Like, <laughs> right. I didn't know what was going on, and you saw a baby being sacrificed. And I didn't yeah. think that would like turn most people right. away. Yeah, so I think especially if you if you don't understand what's going on, and like at that point, like even I'm just like I'm along for the ride at this point. Like, like I'm so on the edge of my seat, trying to interested in where this movie's going yep. that. Like, I'm in, but if you are checked out of the movie, like, emotionally at that point, I totally get why you would walk out of the movie. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. There's our spoiler <laughs> um, edition of Mother, or in the South, they call it Ma. <laughs> I stole that joke. Um, yeah. I like this <laughs> Um, well, thank you for that, Andrew. Um, I'm actually going to talk about my like this week is, is a movie that when it first came out was a bomb also, and most people didn't like that either, and oh. that was uh, the 1982 movie Blade Runner, um, directed by Ridley Scott, um, based on the Philip K. Dick novel Do Androids Dream of Electric, Electric Sheep? Um, so it came out, it starred Harrison Ford and Rutger Hauer and Sean Young and, and Daryl Hannah, but it was actually, not many people liked it. Actually, it was on YouTube, there was actually a, a um, review from Siskel and Ebert from oh. that from 1982, oh, really? and they, they did not it. like it at no. all. Well, I think um, Roger Ebert liked it a little bit better, but um, uh -huh. G. Siskel <laughs> just hated it. Um, but in the 35 years since it's been released, it has come to be heralded as one of the greatest science fiction mm -hmm. movies ever. And um, and it's actually not really just it's actually more of like a science fiction slash noir movie. So if you if you go through right. that, um, I will say that I actually want to talk about really is the um, is the the final cut version. So there have been like seven different versions of Blade <laughs> Runner out there. There's a theatrical version. There's the international theatrical version. There's the uh, work print version out there. There's the um, the director's Direct cut, which cut. came out in in 20 years after the movie, I think. Um, and then finally, they released. I think in 2007, um, they released the uh, 25 years after they released the, the final the cut. final cut, which is Ridley Scott's preferred. He kind of had like carte blanche. So even the director's cut, they called the director's cut. Ridley Scott didn't have much say in that, and what uh -huh. they did. So. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, if you, if you watch one version of, of Blade Runner, watch the final cut version. Because it took a lot of the mistakes, I think, from the original 1992 uh -huh. theatrical version out of it. And so, because, like, in the, the original version, they had Harrison Ford doing these voiceovers throughout. Right. Kind of like, narrating the movie, which kind of just, like, almost takes... It just explains too much. If, right. if, if you just take this world as it is and try to figure out this world... It's a lot better than having someone try much to... Much more interesting movie. Yeah, yeah, much more interesting, much more mysterious, much more like a noir movie where, you so know... Does the director's cut have the voiceover or not? I don't think... No, it does not. I think I have the director's cut, yeah. and I don't think... I haven't seen the final cut. So oh, you haven't? So I, I highly recommend going and see the final <laughs> yeah. cut. Um, but and also because I have the Blu-ray version, and it is... I mean, it is beautiful. They, they really remastered the whole thing, mm -hmm. and it just looks really good. Uh, really gorgeous. Um... I saw, I went, um, I think it was now like three years past or whatever, I went out to L.A., well, I went out to Southern California, and when I was there, my friend took me down, and we went and saw, I think it was a director's cut at the uh, the um, mm -hmm. Egyptian theater, and the special effects guys from the, that worked on the movie were there, and after the movie, they did like a little like That's background cool. So, like, one of the big Easter eggs is uh, in the in the city city skyline, there is the Millennium Falcon in there. They use that as one of the buildings, in, <laughs> and I've, I've gone online. You can go online and see exactly where <laughs> yeah. it's at, but once you see it, you can't unsee it kind right. of thing. Um, but they were there, and then it was kind of cool because, you know, we're at this 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 old, you know, great movie theater in L.A., and then so these, these two Academy Award-winning special effects guys are there talking about movie. And then when they're there, the guy that won, I think for, I'm talking about now, 
for Jurassic World mm-hmm. just shows up there because they're his friends. And so <laughs> I think he just won the Academy Award for, for that movie. I think that won special effects. So you have like these three Academy Award winning special yeah. effects guys just talking about the movie. So that was really fascinating. But I, but I believe that was a director's cut. It did not look as pretty as the as a final cut uh-huh. that I just I saw. And maybe because it was in a theater or whatever, but watching at home on a Blu-ray just, just looks gorgeous. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm going to talk about, for those who have never never seen Blade Runner, um, let me... Do a little um, spoilerish? Well, no, let me just tell you that this is the, the opening crawl. This kind of explains right. it all. It says, early in the 21st century, the Tyrell Corporation advanced robot evolution into the nexus phase of being virtually identical to a human known as a replicant. Although in the little side, in the original um, Roger and Ebert review, he kept um, Roger Ebert kept calling him replicants or something like that. Replicants. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's a replicant. Replicant. Um, the Nexus Replica Six. Replica not. <laughs> exactly. Replicant. <laughs> the Nexus Six replicants were superior in strength and agility, and at least equal in intelligence to the genetic engineers who created them. Replicants were used off-world as slave labor in the hazardous exploration and colonization of other planets. After a bloody mutiny by a Nexus 6 6 combat team in an off-world colony, replicants were declared illegal on Earth under penalty of death. Special police squads, Blade Runner units, had orders to shoot to kill upon detection any trespassing replicant. This was not called execution, it was called retirement. And then you see, like, the opening crawl. You see it takes place in Los Angeles, November of 2019. So, basically, we have two years to destroy the world, um, have to go off-world and colonize other planets. So, we're kind of, I think we're kind of behind the times if, yeah. you know, reality pulls <laughs> through to it. We do have flying cars, which everyone wants, but we just don't have them. Um, yeah, the police spinners, as they call them, these cool flying cars, which were a really cool special effect, you know, back yeah. in 1982. I think they did a really good job with that. Um, but yeah, so that's what it sets up, and so Harrison Ford is this, you know, Deckard, kind of like this, um, you know, ex-Blade Runner who kind of is get brought back in mm-hmm. um, to take care of these these four replicants who um, who kind of jump to Earth, and uh, and so that's how it kind of sets up. But mm-hmm. yeah, the the whole like look of Los Angeles in 2019 in this movie, um, you know, it, it was you know takes place. In, I mean, it was filmed in 1982, so their right. version of what. 2019, I think, yeah. is very interesting to go back and look at that. Um, but, you know, Los Angeles, it's, basically the world is has been kind of, you know... Um, it's not great. It's not great. It's not, it's not great, great. Yeah. Dystopian, you know, yeah, I mean... It's, it's dystopian. Just, it's, um, you know, that's why everyone's going off-world, because we've kind of used up right. Earth, and so now we have to go colonize off-world yeah. and... I think there's that scene where someone's like, "Why are you even still on Earth?" He's like, "Yeah, <clears throat> it's like I'm I'm sick or I didn't pass the test yeah, or whatever." Yeah, so yeah, so something, you, something's wrong with him, so he can't. He's not allowed right. to leave. Uh, Sebastian, he, Sebastian, the toy maker, the who. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he wants to leave. Right. Yeah. yeah. So no one wants to be there. Yeah, and you see, like you know, that a lot of people have left Earth, and so the only people who are left on Earth are those who don't make the cut. So kind of like the um, the dregs of society type right, of thing, yeah. um, and so it's very kind of like it looks very depressing. Um, and so Los Angeles is very, um, I would say, like Japanese, you know, have kind of like taken over, and it's just kind of a split between Japanese and American culture, and um, you know, most of the billboards and stuff like that. Um, it kind of looks like almost like downtown Tokyo type thing, um, with all the flashing mm-hmm. lights and yeah. neon, and um, no, it's a very interesting movie, and 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 obviously. You know, Decker's brought in. He goes to the Tyrell Corporation. He meets Sean Young's character named Rachel, who who is a replicant, who doesn't know she's a replicant, but they have this <clears> test <throat> that they do to to determine right. if you're a replicant. Um, and 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 always the big question in 1982 and still then is like, is Harrison Ford's character Deckard a replicant? Right. Um, and. and <laughs> I will say I have seen the new movie. I did see it yesterday. I went and saw mm-hmm. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. You and find it, out it is <laughs> no good. <laughs> they leave it as good. <laughs> they leave it as a mystery. Yes, which yeah. is amazing. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's just it's a, it's a fascinating movie. It's beautiful. It, I loved it. It's it's long though. It's like two hours and forty five mm-hmm. minutes long or something like that. But I was not bored at all. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not a you know it's not a Michael Bay science fiction movie. You know, it's very very what? slow. It's no like explosions. 
but there is some action. I mean, there is some action, <laughs> but but yeah. it's you know it's it's not all action. There's yep. lots of scenes where it's just you know Ryan Gosling walking and right. you know in silence and him just. Um, so it, it harkens back to the original. Yes, yes, which is yeah. very is very you know is right. very kind of a slow movie. It's, it's not a you know very typical like shoot em up tempo. Right. And um, well paced. Yeah. And I love the music also of the, first, the original Blade Runner, Vangelis, who I've been pronouncing Vangelis. as Vangelis, but I listened to the director's <laughs> cut with Ridley Scott. And he called it. Van, he called him Vangelis. Um, so the music, uh, which a lot of people did not like, but I loved the music for the original one, and we'll be playing some music during this episode of cool. the original Blade Runner. I have a picture disc of the soundtrack, which is really cool. <laughs> yes, you do. Um, <laughs> The music is. I I actually like um, Van Gelis already. He he's, he did like the um, Chariots of Fire soundtrack, which I also love. I mean, that's a, a soundtrack you can put on and turn the lights off and lay down in the middle of the floor, just like <laughs> swept up in the music. It's very atmospheric. It's very you yeah. know like um, the best the best use of that. Where I mean, this is going back to I think high school. Um, where uh, one of my teachers was showing um, us pictures of this, like as he went scuba diving and some scuba diving thing, mm-hmm. and he used one of the, the pieces of music from Chariots of Fire for these underwater scenes. It was like, like perfect. perfect, it fit it perfectly. So, so that's kind of his music. It's yeah. very atmospheric. It's very um, <clears throat> kind of off kilter almost some of the stuff he uses, but um, it, it is a very 1980 soundtrack. Though I will say that. Um, and then the 2049, he's not back to do the music, um, although they try to use a little bit of mm-hmm. it's Vangelesque, you know, in the mm. music. It's Hans Zimmer is is, is it's Van Gelish. Van Gelish, yes, Van Gelish. So, and I really like the music in the new one also. Mm-hmm. Um, the, Hans, so Hans Zimmer does the soundtrack with some of the guy that I don't recognize, but um, but it's it's the music is very good. Mm-hmm. Lots of you know timpani and um, cool. But yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful movie. I loved it. Um, I thought that it created um, so this is you know 30 years after and right, and, yeah. and so you see the you see a little bit more of the world because I think the special effects have you know have done some leaps mm-hmm. and bounds and they've gotten better in the last 30 years. They've gotten better in the last 35 years since they since 1982. Um, but they still it still feels like the same world. You know, right. it still feels like that. But it's just fascinating the way, the way things have changed um, and. Yeah, I'll leave it up to you. You know, I mean, they do. It's just, I don't want to be a spoiler thing because I, you mm-hmm. guys, I know you guys haven't seen it, but I'll go see it again if anyone wants to go see it. Just let me know. Um, it is, it's a beautiful movie, and I really loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, Denis Villeneuve, or whatever Harry pronounced his name, I think he did a really good job taking over for Ridley Scott. I believe you pronounce it Vangelis. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's so that's uh, Blade Runner. Um, if you see the originals. Watch the final cut. I'll let you borrow it. You can watch yeah, it. Yeah, I definitely want to. Um, and I so I highly recommend <laughs> that, and I highly recommend going to see mm-hmm. the new movie. It's just, it, I mean, it is it is definitely more science fiction than than like a space fantasy like Star Wars. Yeah. Um, so if you, I mean that's why I think a lot of people in 1982 because has Harrison Ford who was on Solo and you know that iconic character, and then he's in this movie and he's. <clears throat> He's a totally different character. Yeah. It's definitely more a more hard boiler film noir slash science fiction movie. So Blade Runner is one of those movies that I want to see again and again. Oh, it, it, there's it gets better with every viewing. There's a deep meaning to yeah, it and yeah, stuff yeah. that and Rutger Hauer says and the speech, and Rutger, oh, Rutger the speech, speech he gives at the is end fantastic. is fantastic. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. yeah, what does it, what does it mean to be human? And I right, think yeah. the the new movie. Continues that those themes good, of what does good. it mean to yeah. be human? And, I can't wait to see it. And um, and and what is what is life about? Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, and um, I also want to mention there is um, Denis Villeneuve or Harry Prince's last Van Gelis. Van Gelis. <laughs> um, he he invited some friends to to make some short movies, and so there's three shorts out there. All right. There's the anime one, which is called Blade Runner 2022. There's one called Blade Runner 2036, and then there's one called Blade Runner 2048. So those, there's, I mean, the the two, uh, 2048, 2036 are really short. They're like five minutes long. The anime one, which I've not seen though, I think is like like 15, 20 minutes long, which I heard is wow. really cool. Um, so it's like a, I forget the director's name, but um, actually, you know, I can get it right here because um, um, Watanabe, mm-hmm. um, and I can pronounce his first name, but he's done a lot of um, 
think he did a lot of um, he's done a lot of anime. Yeah. He's uh, so that he did this one called Blade Runner, um, twenty twenty two. I saw the one with the, uh, um, the wrestler guy. Oh uh, right. Uh, Whatever. Dave Batista. Yeah, Dave Batista. And Sapper Morton. I thought it was really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're beautiful, these little short they're there. They're beautiful, five-minute so, movies. Yeah. Uh, and then the 2036 has Jared Leto in it. Um, he's a very mysterious character. Yeah. kind of like With a, his weird silver eyes. And yeah, he's yeah. Taking, he kind of took over the new movie. I'm not spoiling anything. Took he's, over the toy he's maker. taking over Tyrell. So Tyrell okay, Corporation yeah, yeah. is out because... Spoiler, in the original movie, he gets murdered right, by yeah. uh, Rutger Hauer, which is a really brutal murder. Yep. Um, and so the Tyrell Corporation is no more, and so now it's Wallace Corporation, and, and Jared Leto is, mm-hmm. is the guy in charge of that. So Cool. Yeah, so um, I, I, I highly recommend, maybe we'll, we'll put the links in in the show notes to those yeah, yeah, shorts. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're really well done. They're just well done. for like a little short five-minute movie, I mean. I don't know if they used some of the sets or got 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 to use the sets for yeah, later on 2049 to make some of these. The one I saw at least has the same feel yeah, for sure. So. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so there you go. That's that's my oh. like. Um, a 35 year old movie and a current movie, but they all, it all ties together. It all ties yeah. together. So you're up, Russ. All right. Well, it's interesting that you're talking about a Ryan Gosling movie because I'm going to talk about a Ryan Gosling film also. Okay. A little shorter though. It's the uh, sketch on Saturday Night Live oh, about. Gosh. Papyrus. Yes. <laughs> so, Have you seen this yet? Andrew? No, I haven't oh, seen it. Oh my gosh, it's brilliant. It's it is brilliant. So Ryan Gosling plays a guy who's just haunted by the use of papyrus in the Avatar logo. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine why you would like this. <laughs> so, yes. As a graphic designer, I hate the font papyrus. <laughs> I love that they took it down. Um, took down this. Uh, you know, whoever the designer was. Right. Who, who created the Avatar logo, and even in this film, they say, well, I'm sure he changed it a little bit. <laughs> I'm sure he realized his mistake. It's tribal. It's it's everything. So it's just it's just really funny. I don't have a whole lot to say about this. It's very well done. It's well done. It's like so. one of my favorite, like one of my favorite SNL shorts that they've done. Right. It's really well done. It's, it's, it's high production value and yeah. all this stuff. And, and Ryan Gosling just plays as perfectly as this guy who's haunted. And, you know can't figure out why a designer would use this terrible <laughs> font in a major motion picture and and they're, they're even going to use it in the in the sequels so. yeah. he's like i'm sure they changed it for this sure he's like he's like talking to a psychiatrist yeah. oh, wow. and she's like, he's like i'm sure i'm sure they changed it and then she's like looking at the phone and she's like uh, uh. <laughs> and he flips over the table <laughs> oh it's so, so good ryan gosling so we'll have to, we'll ryan have to put, it's a genius we'll have to put the a link to it in, yeah. in the yeah, so I, I've, I've seen it around. It's really I've funny. heard it's great. I want to it watch is. it. Yeah. Oh, and then the funniest part, I think the funniest part for me is that at the end, the title of the short, Papyrus, All right, is, in is in Comic, Comic Sans. Sans. <laughs> <laughs> another horrible, so, as I call the other unforgivable font. Just kind of a nerdy designer thing, but oh, yeah. uh, I loved it. So Yeah. I wonder who's who's the, the creator of that. I wonder I don't know. who it is. Because it's, it's pretty brilliant. Though. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's awesome. Check it out. Oh, and, he, and speaking of Ryan Gosling, he was he did like the season premiere of Saturday Night Live, and I will add to that if you can go back and see that whole. There's some pretty funny sketches mm-hmm. in that, like the like the first part. He's like um, kind of goofing on the whole thing about La La Land, about like how he saved jazz. Oh, yeah. Like in his opening monologue, he's like, "Oh, yeah, I saved jazz." You know, <laughs> you realize that. Oh, and then Emma Stone comes out, and she's like, "No, you know, you didn't save jazz." It's like we saved jazz. <laughs> it's, it's pretty brilliant, and then. Um, check it out. There's another comedy sketch with with him like from a couple of years ago where he like totally breaks with this UFO abduction story. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah I've yeah, seen yeah. that one. That one's, they that they kind of do a, a sequel to that. Oh, um, oh cool. Try to recapture the magic. Uh-huh. Doesn't quite work. It's still pretty funny. Um, <laughs> well, because that's the sketch wasn't good. Like I no, mean, the no. sketch was fine. No, no, it, was it was a very it was, mediocre it was sketch. Kate Middleton <laughs> making Ryan Gosling right. laugh. Right. That Kate Middleton. No, no, not Kate Middleton. Um, Kate. <laughs> I was like, What's her name? McKinnon? McKinnon. <laughs> I think the other one's like a princess. Yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> it's Kate Vangelis. <laughs> Vangelis. Oh, Vangelis. Vangelis. Um, yes. Yeah. Now, uh, so that's another sketch where Kate Middleton is making Ryan Gosling break. Would I would be, also watch that. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah, so Kate McKinnon. There's some, there's some similar letters there. Kate McKinnon <laughs> tries to break Ryan Gosling, which, if you've seen the, the, this thing, and a couple other things... 
Ryan Gosling doesn't seem to be like it's hard, so hard to break, you know, make right. him break. Yeah. Because of a couple other sketches, he's he's breaking. He's just yeah. kind of always having a good time. Yeah, so, he's always having yeah. a good time. He seems like a really <laughs> fun guy. Yeah, still better than Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon and not breaking, but... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Fallon's another guy who just wants to have a good time kind of thing. You know, yep. the same kind of personalities, I think. Um, but yeah, Ryan, Ryan Gosling, I think, is, um, is a really good actor. Um, and he's one of the Ryans. <laughs> they, did another, they did another SNL with, with, with another Ryan there. They're talking about... Oh, no, that was the Chris's. Yeah, the Chris's is a thing. Yeah. Chris Pine, Chris Pratt, Chris Evans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Chris Pine was, was, was hosting it. And so they did a chart of all the Chris's, and they're like, no, I'm not this one. I'm not this one. <laughs> so there's a lot of Ryans out there in Hollywood now. Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Gosling, Ryan O'Neill, I don't know, Ryan Felipe. Ryan Van Gellis. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um... All right, well, thank you for that. We'll, we'll show us a link, um, and then you can pass around to all your other nerdy um, artist friends. Yep. Yeah. All right, well, we'll take a break, and then we'll come back, and we'll do our dislikes, which should also be a good discussion. <laughs> We're back. Um, we're here. We're talking about our dislikes, and and we go in reverse order. So since Russ was last with his like, he's first with his dislike. And I talked about a like that I that was short because I think this dislike is going to <laughs> in, engender a lot of conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and it's that I don't like the pronunciation Ben Gellis. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. Yeah. Actually, it's the new movie It. Um, we had some wildly different takes on it. Yes. And it's a dislike for me because I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it at all, actually. Um, there's, I went, I went to it, maybe I had too high expectations, I don't know. I, I went into it hoping that it would be, it was kind of marketed this way as a kind of a Stranger Things mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, hearkening back to the 80s when the, the movie or the TV show that it came out, the right. TV miniseries came out. And, you know, I'd seen that, so I knew what I was getting into. Well, So I was hoping it was kind of a Stranger Things meets maybe Stand By Me, you know, where you really love these kids and all mm -hmm. that stuff, and none of it worked for me. And <laughs> none of it worked for my wife either. We came out of the movie just like, yeah, I don't know. Um, hoping that, that you know, because it, it is the first... The first of, of two parts, right. um, which you get at the end, which you get at the end. That okay, it's you know they're they're gonna do the the sequel. I mean, in the book, it's it is the book intertwined with like the yeah. adult and then kid stories. Like uh -huh. it goes back and forth. Yeah, it, it's not like one yeah. and then the other. So anyway, it, but but the TV miniseries was the I think. I can't remember how the TV miniseries was I intertwined. Was, no, I think it was. It was like one and then the, the kids, other. Then you yeah, have them I don't remember. It's been a while. I don't know. It's been came out in what eighty six. Anyway, or so like that. so my my um, heartache with this movie is that well, it wasn't what I wanted it to be mm -hmm. to begin with. Um, I thought I thought cinematography and everything was fine, um, but I was never scared. Mm -hmm. I didn't care about this clown. I mean, yeah, he looks cool. He looks great. Um, but I got no motivation, no reason that he was there. And I've talked to people afterwards about it. It's like, well, you got to wait till the second movie or, or you, you know, or the, the reason all these things are happening and the reason everybody's an a-hole in, in this town is because of the demon clown. I'm like, yeah, but the movie didn't tell me that. The movie didn't give me any reason for that. And going into this movie, having not seen the story for 20 or 30 years, I need the movie to explain some things to mm -hmm. me a little bit. Beyond that, the movie wanted me to love these kids. I didn't care for these kids at all. I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't think they did a good job with, with making the kids relatable. The only, the two kids I liked were the fat kid and the girl. 
And that's the only reason. That's the only way I can refer to these kids because yeah, I don't remember. Beverly. I don't remember yeah. their names at all because I didn't care about them at all. And the backstories for the rest of the kids, what? There's the Jewish kid. There's the nerdy kid. I mean, stuttering Richie, kid. The stuttering kid. There's, there's the, <laughs> you know, there's there's the swearing kid. Um, Richie. Yes. <laughs> Richie Trashmouth. There you right. go. So, so I don't know. I just didn't. There was something about the direction or the writing of this movie that made me not care at all about these kids. Mm. So that I never felt that there was any real stakes because I don't care if they die. I don't care. And like, why are all the adults just one dimensional characters? Why is everybody mm-hmm. besides the kids? And I, I haven't found the kids kind of one dimensional, but at least they tried with the kids, but everybody that the kids run into, is just a one dimensional character. And most of them are terrible. Mm-hmm. So I get it. It's because the town is being affected by this evil force. Yes, yeah. But, but that's not in the movie. But that's like, not in even the movie. a little they, bit. They, like they, they don't even they, hint they at they it. talk about that. They talk about all after twenty nine years, all these bad things keep happening, and this town has been like cursed. And they talk about. But they, just, I mean, they talk about that in the context of the murders and the disappearances. They don't talk about that in the context right. of people just being generally jerks to each other. Yeah. Right. Right. Um. And and I get it that. Sure, you're gonna get this explained maybe in the second movie, but I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't like the direction of mm-hmm. it, so it was just like, eh, all right. It's it's you know, it is yeah. what it is. So. I had told you because I love the kids. I mean, I really related to those kids. Um, I mean, just the, the terror that they were living in. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was bullied as a kid, and I know the terror of like watching out every corner for the someone who's trying to get mm-hmm. you. I mean, there was a guy in fifth, for me in fifth grade who just tormented me all the time. And right. so I understand that torment and, and what it does to you like, psychologically, you know, yeah, and yeah. Um, your guards go up and everything, even interdynamic with your friends gets affected by so, that. But, so I've been trying to figure out that there are many people I know who love this movie mm-hmm. and who really enjoyed it and really were scared by it and all this stuff. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out, is it because... I didn't have that experience as a kid, but sure, I was bullied as a kid, so I had that experience. I don't know, you know, hmm. why do I love Stand By Me so right. much, and I don't like this movie yeah. when it's the same author, right? You know, I mean, that's Rob Reiner directing it. I, mm-hmm. Maybe he's a better director. Maybe it was written better. I don't know. You know, I think it was written better. I think they spent a whole lot more time with the kids in Stand By Me than yeah, and, and Stand By Me was, and it's not. It was definitely more of a, a story movie. There was like these kids. Right. Going on this adventure to go right. see this body, and there was and it's nothing. A, and it's more about the kids, right. and I think this yeah. movie was trying to be about the scariness. Right. And right. It, besides jump scares, the movie was not scary at all. Even even Carla wasn't scared by this movie. It was yeah. like, she was startled by it, but that's different than being scared. So, yeah, so. I, I want to have a discussion because I mean, it's just like, what does it mean to be scared <laughs> nowadays? You know what I'm saying? Because like, yeah, yeah, because it was like. Even like the, the kids nowadays, I mean, I, I saw it with my daughter, and talking about, and they, they've seen other scary movies, and they're just looking for that jump scare. It's like, is that the only thing that scares you, that unsettles you, that right. creeps you out? Because I mean, there are movies that I think are scary, like The Sixth Sense. I think is very right. scary. It's very unsettling. You don't know what's going on. There's the creepiness of the kids and anything like that, which I think for me is is scary. It it unsettles me, and for that, right. so that means it's not even like, scare you, but. You know, anyone can get scared by someone popping out of a doorway and yeah, that's the only thing that that's the only definition of scary yeah. using. Then yeah, there's a lot of movies that aren't right. scary, quote and, unquote, scary that way, but that, that I think are still scary. Like I watched the others, um, with, who I thought I thought that was scary. I think that's really creepy really kids creepy, yeah. and don't know what's going on and there's the hearing voices. Any creepy kid movie will scare me. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't like creepy kids. Um, so I find that I find that movie very scary, but. My dad was like, there's no jump scares. I'm like, but that's not, if that's the only thing you think is scary, then that's, you're right. missing out on, on a whole right, right, level right. of, you're not, you're so, not getting yourself invested in the movie. Did you think scary. that it, this current iteration, iteration, ah. <laughs> did you think that it was scary in a non-jump scare way? Because it wasn't for me. Not um, at all. I mean, for me either. Except for, except for the first scene. Which actually, I think, builds tension. Yeah, yeah. The first like, scene is I think that's the only scary scene in the movie because there's actual tension. I agree um, with that. And there, are, there is no jump scare in that scene. Right. Well, I will say that I, I was... I, if I could put myself in the kids' thing, I think if I was to be scared like they were scared, mm-hmm. yeah, but I think the things that, that I found scary in the movie were not the, the evil clown. 
He was the the creepy the adults, dad, the, yeah, the, the, the bullies. The bullies. I mean, I think those are the things that scared me more right. than the than the terror. But then you had to you, had, you have all this other crap they're dealing with, and you have this other mm-hmm. force that's trying to kill them out there also. So there's different fronts that they're battling and trying to you know protect themselves mm-hmm. from. I mean, I kind of I love that whole like Bill and the girl next the girl next door, quote unquote. You know, Beverly. She was like the girl next door kind of thing. You know, yeah. this girl that you know. She's not the cheerleader, head cheerleader, right? But right. There's something, you know. I love the scene where this, all the guys are there at the at the quarry, and they're just like staring at this girl, you know, kind of thing. Like I've been that guy also, <laughs> where the, you know you're in love with this girl, but you know she's like, you know, she just wants to be friends type thing, you know. Right. So I I like the I like the dynamics of the kids. I really like the the fact that how they banded together, and so I thought the the things that I found scary were not. But I I, I love I love Pennywise. I loved the way, the look of him. I loved how his eyes were never like looking oh, yeah, no. at the he, same he looked way. Great, but... And and just little little things I found really creepy. Also, like in the in the um, in the library scene where Ben's looking at the through the history. And if you look in the background, there's like this lady, and every shot she keeps getting closer, closer to yeah. him. And I just like that. Even now, it just it just freaks me out, and <laughs> it, it gives me the creeps to have some person just like you know just like acting very creepily like that mm-hmm. that that scares me and and so that was scarier to me than than you know him going down in the in the in the basement type thing mm-hmm. although i thought i did like the little like zombie kid or whatever headless zombie <laughs> kid that was pretty cool i thought um but yeah so I, I i i fell in love with the kids i fell in love with the characters um and i, I we were talking i was talking to andrew and you're right, because you know that there is part two, so the stakes aren't high, because you know that none of these kids are gonna die. Well, like, and like, There's I didn't no... even, I didn't even know that while watching it, oh, like, because okay. like I fall it very much right in between you two, like, you know, Russ really doesn't like it, yeah. Tim really likes it. I thought it was fine, <laughs> like, that was fine. I think it's a completely ineffective horror movie, um, except for that first scene, which is just you know Pennywise talking to Georgie. Mm-hmm. Um, his voice uh. yeah like I like I think in like in that scene I'm like oh man this is gonna be great like right if they could have continued that right. um, throughout the rest of it the rooms with the clowns that scared me also I don't yeah. like I don't like creepy clowns yeah that was a little <laughs> that was a little unsettling yeah um, okay they didn't they didn't explore I didn't think the the kids individual phobias yeah and they tried a little bit and especially when who's the kid who's scared of clowns I mean, that's Richie. It's like that comes, you Richie know, after a whole bunch of other people have talked about what they're scared of, and then oh, and I'm well, scared of clowns. But it's like, well, why is the clown showing up for everybody else right. if yeah. you're the one who's scared of clowns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Georgia so, probably wasn't scared of clowns. So that didn't bother me. I mean, that that bothered me. That yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. that seems like sloppy filmmaking or sloppy writing or something. I don't yeah. know. Just, I think like, that's how it is in the the book. Is that how too. it is in the book? So, um, so I'm reading the book right now. Okay, which is really long. It is long. <laughs> like fourteen hundred pages. I do not know why the book is that yeah. long. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I think it's completely ineffective for me. I think it's a fine, like, just normal thriller, thriller kind of movie. Um, but I don't think it's scary after that yeah, first yeah. scene at all. And part of it is, like, because there really are no, like, it never feels like there are stakes. Every time, like, someone gets attacked, like, they just come out of it fine. And at the time, like, I didn't remember that there was this whole thing with the adults, like, coming mm-hmm. back and whatnot. So, like, it just seemed like, oh, everyone's safe. All the time, so like it never seemed like the kids are really in danger. Like there's a, there's a scene where like someone's getting like their head like sucked on by a clown or whatever, and they just knock him off. He's like, well, I'm fine now. Yeah. Like, whatever. Right. Yeah. I um. So yeah, I didn't find the stakes to be there, but. Uh... Yeah, like it's just it's just a uh, like I don't know. It never felt like anyone was in danger. Like people fall through floors and it's like I got kind of a broken arm. <laughs> like whatever. <laughs> like every time I thought like a kid was like maybe dying like they just kind of got you know shrugged it off and walked away which by the end of the movie you're just like all right well like nothing's nothing bad seems like it's going to happen to these kids which makes it for not which, which also it, at the end of the movie it's like well why didn't georgie come back then if every other kid was fine and uh, right <laughs> um because plot because like, plot. no he yeah. was dead though well yeah but how about all these floating kids? Did they come back? No, no, no. They, yeah. no those kids, they no, those yeah. kids came. I don't think, back. I don't think any okay. kids. Like see, only only the main kids live through all this stuff. Yeah. So the see the the mythology, not the mythology, the the rules of the world mm. were not clear to me. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, you know. So. I think that's and I think that's definitely true in the movie. 
Like, I don't think the the movie. I don't make doesn't make me think that these kids are any better than any of the other kids. Yeah, fighting this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Like, why doesn't like my favorite kid is the super sick kid Eddie, mm-hmm. and I only remember these names because I started reading the book. Okay, like <laughs> at the at the I only remembered like I think Ben and Bev at the end mm-hmm. of actually watching the movie. So. Like, I remember stuttering Bill, you know. Was, or, uh, yes, sorry, Bill and Bev. Yeah. I had forgotten the name of the pr- kid that I remembered. Ben <laughs> um, <laughs> was, was Yeah, it was Bill and Bev that I had remembered. Um, because, like, they're, they're kind of, like, set up as, like, the two main, yeah. at least to me, yeah, like, yeah, the yeah. two main characters. Um, and I thought the other characters were funny. Like, I had forgotten for a chunk of the movie that uh, the Jewish kid Stan was in the movie. Mm. Like, he showed up, I was like, wait, who is this guy? And then he said something, like, kind of, like that made you that reminded you that he's Jewish, and that's how I remembered <laughs> oh, who he yeah, was. Yeah. Like, which is Jewish not kid. which is not good for the good for the movie. Really, you thought I forgot he was Jewish? I mean, you talked about the whole bar mitzvah. No, no, no thing. I've forgotten who the kid was. Oh, I got you. Like he was in this. I'm like, wait, who's that one? Oh, gotcha. And then he said something that reminded me that he was Jewish. I was like, oh, oh that kid, the from Jewish the, kid. Yeah, the Jewish. Like he said a Jewish thing, so he's Jewish. Yeah. Like I had forgotten for a 30 minute chunk of the movie that that was a character <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. Um, and I was like, wait, there's a whole other kid here. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't, I don't think it's like super effective as a, as a horror movie. I think it's a, a, a perfectly fine, like thriller. But like, it's not something I'm, I liked it. I saw it twice. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested enough to go back and see the mm-hmm. miniseries okay. to see, do I like this better? Because I really have, I have no memory of mm-hmm. whether I liked it or not. You know, when Tim it, Curry did a good job as Pennywise. Yeah, yeah, I know. I knew Tim Curry was great, and and. Uh, Bill Bill Skarsgård, or Sarsgård. It's the guy who plays it in the current one. Yeah, he's yeah, he's like Skarsgård or Skarsgard. Anyway, he's not Peter Sarsgård's no, brother, no. but he's yeah. kind of like that. Yeah. So, but um, but I thought he was he was fine. You know, I just didn't think they used mm-hmm. the character enough mm-hmm. or. Yeah. In the right way. I don't know. Like, I think for me, like, like when I was talking about Mother, I was talking about, like, how the way the camera works and all these things yeah. build tension so well. This, even when there's no, nothing overtly scary happening, you're unsettled. Um, and I don't like, think, I don't think this movie does, I don't think it does that effectively at all. Mm. Um, kind of like The Witch was very, yeah, very unsettling. Uh-huh. Be- not because of any jump scare or anything, just yeah. there's something off and you don't know what it exactly. is. Exactly. And- um, and because the, when the movie, like, when it, oh, the other good scene, I think the scene of them in the garage was also good. Oh, um, with the, the, with the projector. projector that yeah, was... I did like that. But um, I knew I think, it was coming think... because they, they spoiled that in the, in the trailer. Yeah. So, um... uh, I would say, I think that's the, the other mm-hmm. effective scene of yeah, the movie. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, but then, like, it's, then, again, it goes back to the rules of the world, and I guess we're just spoiling this movie at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Um, like, well, and this is also, like, midway through the movie. Like, they turn on the light, and he's gone. Like, yeah. it's like, oh, now that we've turned on the lights, nothing bad is happening. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait, what? Like, that's a rule now, too? But then, like, that's not... But then he's out in daylight. Like, I don't know. Like, it, it just seems like uh, it, it. it's very inconsistent how right. Pennywise right. works. Yeah, um, I, I will go with the movie as long as it follows its own rules. But right. When you don't know the rules, then yeah. Because like... I mean, most of the other times you see Pennywise, well, except for the library, it's near the su- sewer. Because that's what talk about. That makes the sense. The sewer yeah. is part of part of part of his world. So okay. why does he show up in the library? Why does he show up in the um, in this? Oh, the other the only other part I like is that if you, <laughs> other part I like is that all the adults are watching the same creepy program with the kids and the lady. Like if you go back and like the the mom uh, Eddie's mom has it on. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I didn't notice the, that. The um, oh, Beverly's dad ha- is watching it. So um, it, they're being communicated to somehow yes. through so the TV. Yes. So this TV show program is like you know is brainwashing making, is brainwashing his parents and so. stuff like that and, and telling okay. him stuff like that. So I thought that was really good because like all the parents, all, right. all the three of the parents you see, um, the bully's dad also is watch is watching that, and so they're all watching the same. Creepy program right. with kids, another thing, which is another thing part that's. So I don't know, maybe I'm just missing something. I don't know, I need to see it again, yeah. but I don't know. Well, we've talked a lot about it, so we can yeah. move on. <laughs> yeah, alright, so that was your dislike. Yep. My dislike is a, is a TV show that I have not seen yet, but it's the premise <laughs> that I don't like. I thought the premise was kind of dumb. So the new movie, it's on CBS, which tells you. So it's probably a dumb show. Yeah. It's called Wisdom of the Crowd. I don't know if you've seen the previews no, for I have it. Not. Wisdom of the Crowd. Um, no. It has um, 
Ari Gold, I mean, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Jeremy Piven. Um, so he's this billionaire tech guy mm-hmm. um, whose daughter is is murdered. Okay. And it's, un- it's an unsolved murder. Um, so he's he's um, creates this crowdsourcing website. The, the tech speak in, in TV show is an algorithm. He's developed this algorithm <laughs> that helps people... Normal people out there catch the bad guys type of thing. Oh, okay. Using their whatever, their cameras and stuff like I that. Yeah, I've seen um, And so... The preview. Anyway. So it, it just seems like, a, like it's called Wisdom of the Crowd. I'm like, but have you ever driven on a freeway? So people in, in mass quantities act really dumb, I think. <laughs> so the crowd is actually not wise at all. The crowd is actually dumb. I mean, you have this called mob mentality. You get a lot of people in, in together and they're going to do dumb things. You know, they're, they're going to, you know, they're going to, you get, you get, you know, these crowd demonstrations where violence breaks right, out. Right, and, and, and in a crowd mentality, you, you feel like, you know, you can say anything you want or whatever. Mm-hmm. Reason goes out the window type of thing. So the fact that this guy, you know, is using ordinary people to solve crimes, I'm like, you know how many people, false people they're going to say, like, he did it! And, like, you know, the cops jump on this guy and start beating him. I'm like, oh, sorry, that was the wrong guy. I just took a wrong picture. It's a bad angle. I put the, put the weird snapshot said. filter. Yeah. yeah, so that's, like, the thing is, like, oh, this algorithm is going to make it all all right, which, to me, it sounds like a, a really dumb premise. I have not seen the movie as a TV show. It could be great. Um, but for me, it's like, all right, so that's a dumb premise. <laughs> really? The crowd? <laughs> yeah, but the crowd is, like, I feel like that plays directly to CBS's audience. Right. <laughs> the old people, like, oh, technology is evil. And yeah. Oh, use well, and like, and, like, they're, I mean, they, CBS seems to go for, like, the, the broadest stuff yes. out of all. So they're all about pleasing the right. crowd and, like. They're the crowd broadcasting system. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like every, I mean, all of their shows are, you know, as broad as possible, and I mean, that's part of why I don't like them too much. Yep. Um, like, definitely my least favorite of all of the networks. <laughs> yeah. Um, they have very many good shows. Yeah, um, so I, I, like I said, I have not seen the show, but the premise, I'm like, well, that looks right. dumb. Um, but there are some good shows, uh, some of the, the shows that are, are really good that, um, you know, new ones. Like, if you've not seen. The show called Kevin Probably Saves the World. Um, I watched the first episode I and I love it. It stars Jason Ritter, who is the reason to watch it. I mean, he's so good. He's um, and it has the the lady who is the principal on Vice Principals. Um, I forget her name. The actress. Did you ever watch that show on HBO? I've watched like the first two episodes and I <laughs> liked it. Um, mostly, I just love Walton Goggins yeah. so much, and I, and I and I like Danny McBride most of the time. Sometimes he can be a bit too much, yeah. but I will watch anything that Walton Goggins is in. <laughs> so, so this uh, this actress, um, she plays like this this angel character who has mm. to like you know take Jason Ritter through this. Um, he he is brilliant though. I'm watching him like, alright. So he's the reason to watch this show because of his reaction. Jason is great. Yeah. Um, and so I, I recommend that. So probably uh, Kevin probably saves the world is probably one of the of the new shows I've seen. Probably the mm-hmm. one of my favorites. But there's there's some duds out there, and we'll see how the like the the countdown to when these shows get canceled. <laughs> Although on CBS, it might Wisdom of the Crowd might stick around for a while because. Because crowd yeah. podcasting because, because the crowd has no wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> so like you watch, we'll watch it. <laughs> yes. Okay, so that's my short dislike. Right. It's a show I haven't seen, but just the premise just like struck me as, oh, that's dumb. Yeah. All right. I also have a short dislike because I wanted to spend more time talking about Mother and It. <laughs> um, so I had jury duty for a two-week-long murder trial, and my hot take is that I do not like jury duty or murder. <laughs> um or being a, a jury on a murder trial. Yeah, definitely not being a jury on a murder trial. Um, not as fun as it looks like in the, in the TV no, shows and I, there were there were two interesting days of testimony and, like, seven really not interesting days of uh-huh. testimony. Um, but, so, didn't love the experience uh, for many reasons. Um, glad it's over. But thank you for doing your civic yeah. duty. <laughs> I did get a letter from the judge last night. Like, I mean, like, you know, just saying, hey, thanks for serving on the jury. We need jurors. You know, mm-hmm. Like, I was like, oh, that was kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I I will say I liked Judge Tucker. <laughs> All right. But you felt, the, you felt the full weight of being on a, on a murder trial and having this really bad incident happen. Mm. And, and then... Very, the, very bad incident. Yeah. Very violent. And you had to see the pictures. And, oh, you know, okay. I'm not, I've not ever seen, like, photos of... Oh, I don't know. Maybe I've seen on the news. But, like, really 
dead people and murdered people yeah. in blood. I have. Yeah, now. So <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that's really kind of traumatic. Yeah, it's a little traumatic. Um, yeah, I mean, I was even saying before the show, like, like you know, I didn't wasn't sleeping super well during the trial, and like one day, like we were just in the the jury deliberation room. Like talking about like no one's really sleeping all that well during mm-hmm. this trial. It was not a fun experience. Um, uh, stick to the good wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's good, but that that means you have empathy and and yeah. your your EQ is is, is right, high right. because you know, yeah. if you have a low EQ, then that's. Yeah, I didn't think it would be possible for me to get more anti-murder, but I am more anti-murder <laughs> than I was before the trial. <laughs> I guess that's a good reason. Good, yeah. good reason. So I dislike murder. <laughs> Don't think you're going to find an argument here. Have you ever, yeah. have you ever been on jury? Have you ever been on jury? I have yeah. not. That was my first and hopefully last time. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm hoping it's one of those things that kind of gets you out for life. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. I served for a murder trial. Don't want to do that again. Yeah. This is like, I don't remember, like four or five years ago where I was actually sele- I was, I was called for jury mm-hmm. duty and the jury, the, the trial was going to be for a murder trial where a, a, a guy who was escaping a prison transport actually killed a prison guard no, and right. stuff like that. So, um but I was I was not selected. I guess I mm-hmm. the defense didn't like me, so they kicked they kicked me off. And they said, nope, not him. So and there you go. What I get for being so likable? Yeah, That's right. you're a very likable person. Fault. <laughs> <laughs> if you could come in there, you know, looking mean or sneering or whatever, wearing a I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to go this. this <laughs> We'll, we'll stop there. Let's so, stop there. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, this has been, like I said, episode 21 of Pumping Irony Podcast. And until the next time, I'm Tim. I'm Van Gillis. <laughs> and I'm Andrew. <laughs> we'll see ya. Thanks for listening to the Pumping Irony Podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or any other podcast program. You can leave a positive review and a rating for us on iTunes if you like what you hear. You can interact with us on our website at www.pumpingironypodcast.com or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash pumpingironypodcast. We'd love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Twitter by searching at Pumping Irony Pod.